Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today, we are continuing with our series where once a month, I highlight a member in the AT Parenting community, and it's Member Spotlight, where we talk about their struggles and their journey. And I have found that every time I talk to a parent, they are talking about a specific topic that is very relevant to what a lot of us are going through. And there's different themes. We've covered a whole bunch of themes in this segment. And today is just the same. We're going to cover a new topic, a new theme that is very relevant to a lot of us. And that is, when do you seek a higher level of care? And what I mean by that is there's not just therapy. And a lot of parents don't understand this. The mental health system is very confusing. I should just do a podcast on decoding and demystifying the mental health system, all the things that are confusing. (laughs) Maybe that'd be a really good podcast. I'll have to put that on my to-do list. But when you take your child to a therapist, that's the first step, right? That's outpatient therapy. And then if that's not enough, if your child needs more intensive care, they need a higher level of care. And so there are other options. There's IOP. We're going to enter the acronym SOUP, and that is intensive outpatient programming, IOP. And that might mean a couple of days a week, you go into a program for maybe a few hours each day. IOP can look different depending on the program. So that's outpatient and then to IOP. And then there's PHP, which is a partial hospitalization program where it is not as intense as being in a hospital setting, but it might be for like six hours a day. And PHP programs also, they look different depending on what program you're in, but it's just good for you to see the continuum of care that happens. And then you might have hospitalization you might have a child in a treatment program and, and those are the highest level of care when your child is actually living somewhere, getting intensive treatment for maybe 30 to 90 days, maybe sometimes even longer to, you know, really focus on their issues and get back on track. So that's the continuum that parents have access to or options to getting access. That's a whole nother thing because it's very tricky. The higher up you go, the more expensive it gets. And if you're dealing with insurances, it can be very difficult to get your child the proper care that you need, but that's not for today's topic, but it is a topic that we should talk about in the future. But today I want to talk, I'm going to be talking to Sammy and Sammy is a mom in my AT parenting community, part of my membership community. And she talks about her daughter and their journey going into a PHP program and what to expect and what to look for as far as when do you think it's time to take that next step. Now, she was very nice. She didn't even mention that she actually has her own program. And so I'm going to give her a shout out in the intro. And I'm going to talk about it in the end too. She does talk about it briefly at the end of my interview, but she has a website called knowingup.com. And she offers coaching programs to kids for teenagers. And she has quite a few programs that are about boosting self-esteem and anxiety, confidence, college ready program, how to raise an anxious girl that can face anything. So I was actually really impressed with her website. So check her out at knowingup.com. And if you would like to join the AT Parenting community and be part of this community of these parents and their journeys that they're going through, 
The community offers a lot of resources and the community aspect is just one component of it. I spend a lot of time helping parents in the AT parenting community, building up their skills, their knowledge, really like training them and coaching them to be the best that they can be for their kids with anxiety or OCD. And it is for kids, it's for parents who are raising kids with of any age. We have parents in there who are raising toddlers. We have parents who are in there who are raising young adults. So it really runs the gamut. But we all have the one thing in common that we're all raising kids with anxiety and OCD. And I only open up my doors oh, probably about four times a year because I like to just focus on the members that are in there. And so we're opening up. Actually, tomorrow is the last day. I'm sorry, I didn't give you much notice. If you're on my email list, if you get my email newsletter, you already know about this, but some of you aren't and you should, there are links in the show notes, but tomorrow's the last day we're closing the doors and tomorrow is June 30th, I believe. Let me take a look because I don't even, yep, tomorrow's June 30th. So if you're listening to this a little bit later, you can get on the waiting list. It will open back up in October, but I want to give you notice if you are listening to this live, I might actually publish this episode a little early so that you get a little bit more warning than just a day. But you can check out my membership community at atparentingcommunity.com. And if it's still open, you will have a join button. If it's not, it will say a waitlist button, but you won't miss it because if you're on the waitlist, I will let you know. Normally, people who are on the waitlist get some pretty cool bonuses that I offer them, like the day before everybody else knows about my community being open. So, join us in there. It is a phenomenal group of parents. I was going to, it's not about me, it's about the parents that are in there. They're amazing. And I go in and I do a live class every single week really get to know the parents in there. And we do a monthly live group coaching call where they can ask me anything. And I start to really understand what everyone's individual issues are. And we even have a monthly virtual support group for kids, one for kids and one for teens where they meet once a month and they get to connect as well. And that is just the tip of the iceberg because they get access to one of my atparentingsurvivalschool.com classes. Those are normally $127. They have a library of videos, a library of worksheets. The benefits go on and on, but I just don't want you to miss it. So go to atparentingcommunity.com and join us because the doors are about to close. And I would love to see you in there and really get to know you. And that's where I spend the bulk of my time. Okay. Well, I want to introduce Sammy and I want you to hear her story. So without further ado, here is my interview with Sammy. Well, I want to welcome Samantha to the show. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. And you're part of a segment that we talk about members spotlight, people who are in the AT parenting community who come on and share their story. And it's funny because I feel like every person that comes on has like a different thing to bring to the table, to the educational table. And you bring a really important aspect that I haven't even talked about on my podcast at all. So this is like good in so many ways about how do we help our kids who maybe need a higher level of care. So before we dive into that, we're going to talk about intensive outpatient and partial hospitalization and like different steps up that we have available to us for our kids. But let's take a step back and just talk about who you are and what's been happening and how we got there. 
Okay. Yeah. I'm Sammy Halverson. I um, have a daughter who is 10 and she is in week 12 of her PHP program, partial hospitalization program at Rogers Behavioral Health, which they've done an amazing job. And actually today she is just stepping down to an IOP program. So we're very, very proud of her. And when she was little, she's had a lot of anxiety. It started out as like separation anxiety and then kind of got diagnosed as generalized anxiety. And then it kind of went to social anxiety. So we kind of always had this anxiety diagnosis and some kind of weird things started happening where she was avoiding rooms that she would go in in our house, avoiding places that she would sit. So we kind of knew there was maybe a little bit of some OCD, but just kind of kept an eye on it. And then like within a matter of weeks, her ability to function and be independent really just dropped dramatically at a rate that we could not keep up with, with any of the tools that we were using to help her. Yeah, that's rough. So when was that? That was that right before you got her into a PHP program or like, were you, were you looking for a while and you were trying to play detective and figure out what was going on? We weren't looking for a PHP program. We were looking for, you know, more of a little bit intense ERP program. But then one of her doctors was like, he really suggested Rogers. I mean, she was to the point where she was using a Kleenex to open everything in the house. She wasn't sitting on toilet seats. She wouldn't sit down and watch TV in the kitchen. We were opening doors for her to get in and out of places Nobody in the house was singing. Like it was, it was constantly our family is like a slave to the OCD where she basically couldn't function independently anymore, where she couldn't even put something in the microwave to touch the microwave because the microwave's contaminated. Yeah, really intense. And that's one thing I want to explore is, and this is from a, a parent perspective, or even maybe from your process going through the assessment with Rogers or even getting to Rogers. How do parents know, and I can pipe in here too, like with my opinion, but like how do parents know when it's time to get a higher level of care? Yeah, that's such a good question because that's one of the things that I didn't know. I'm like, okay, well, what do what do we do here? We have this daughter that, you know, really can't function independently. I mean, and we didn't know what to do. And so I think it got to the point where we just decided that we couldn't keep doing this on our own. We couldn't fight the OCD on our own. It was too intense. It was too much. And our lives couldn't just continue the way that they were going. Yeah, which I think it's a good summary. And and it will look different for different parents and even different providers. I don't think there's a real like black and white criteria, although there probably is for actual treatment centers um, and people are assessing to get you into these programs. But parentally, there's no black and white rule or even therapeutically as a therapist, like these are the criteria that I would recommend IOP or PHP. And so, and I want to decode some of this stuff. So we're not speaking in acronyms, but, and some parents may not even realize there's higher levels of care. So you have your outpatient therapy where you're just meeting a therapist and maybe even you can meet a therapist twice a week, you know, or three times a week, you can probably bring that up pretty high. And then you can do IOP, like an intensive outpatient program where, and those look different, you know, you're doing hours a day, 
with more of an intensive program. And then there's PHP, which is partial hospitalization program where you're doing, and you can probably speak more about this. I haven't worked in IOP or a PHP, so, which is much more intense and it's a partial hospitalization. And then you have inpatient where you're living there and you're getting treatment. So those are all the steps up, steps down, and you're looking for the least, you know, you're looking for a level of care that, that you can get that success without kind of giving up too many freedoms, but kids make a lot of quick, this is my opinion. We'll talk about you and, and your miss 10, the more intense the treatment program and how much therapy your child's getting, the more movement you can kind of see in a quicker fashion, ideally for most people, not always. So what was your process in getting her assessed and getting her into the, the PHP program? Yeah. So I was hoping, you know, initially that we could get away with IOP and then, you know, I called a few programs and they do an assessment over the phone and ask you, you know, a bunch of questions. They ask her a bunch of questions. And then what they do is then send it off to their clinical director who reviews the whole case. And so when we heard back, it wasn't the IOP that she qualified. She qualified for the PHP. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of a blow to me because I was like, oh, she really is you know, at that level where she needs that intensive care. And then logistically, how do we make this work with our family? Because PHP with a 10-year-old, she's there from eight to three every single day and a parent is with her most of the time. So, you know, I have four kids and trying to figure out between dad and I, how, how do we really make this work? And knowing that we need the help so bad. Like we're to the point where we need a treatment team to help us with this, that, you know, just making the sacrifices to be able to make this program work for her. That was, that was hard. It's hard on our whole family and hard on our marriage and, you know, hard on relationships. (laughs) It was a big deal. So what would you advise somebody who is thinking of these options or really feels like they don't have an option? They really have to do this. What would be like some of your best takeaways on how to make that work? Um, My best takeaway would be that it is so worth it. It is so hard and it's draining and it is emotionally exhausting. But when you kind of get to the end and you see your real kid coming back to life and they're living a normal 10-year-old life and touching the playground and playing on the playground, it's so worth it. And I could just see the OCD getting worse and worse and worse. As we know with OCD, it doesn't get better. Yeah, (laughs) It gets worse and worse and worse. And so to be able to see the OCD reversing, it's almost been like a miracle for us to see her make this progress. And it's been worth all of it. Yeah. I think that's so beautiful to hear, you know, that you're getting your child back and really there's nothing that parents would would do or not do, I mean, to, to get that result. And Rogers is such a good program. Like all their programs are just such good, high quality programs that it's, to me, it's worth the investment. If you're, if you're at that point and really there's only so much we can do parentally and there's only so much outpatient therapists can do to the point where you need that intensive treatment to help. So once you get into the program, we're just going to kind of use you as like a model of like step-by-step yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> now we know like kind of what it looks like when you need a higher level of care, you know, when things are just beyond your control and your child's quality of life and functioning is just severely compromised. 
and then figuring out what level of care. And sometimes the professionals will figure that out for you, like they did for you when you thought you were going to look at an IOP and then you went to a PHP. So some of that's not your burden as a parent. Then you get in there and then what happens? Because I think a lot of times there's a lot of parental anxiety about what will happen to their kids? What will this look like? Yeah. And I had all of that going into it too. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, so the process was kind of, you know, on the first day she checks in, we met her treatment team, which consisted of an educational therapist, a therapist, a behavioral specialist, a nurse, and a psychiatrist. So there were five people that were key on her team. Meds were a whole big part of this too. You know, she had a psychiatrist, you know, working with her constantly. But um, once we kind of met everybody and got comfortable with them, then what we did was we actually met with my daughter and we came up with this big list of rewards that she wanted. And so that was a big important piece for me because a child with OCD isn't really intrinsically motivated to play on the playground just because it's fun. Yeah. Right. The OCD keeps them back. So they really need some external motivation to do things. And so we came up with a big list of rewards that she wanted. And then next we assigned points to those. And then we came up with a big list of her exposures and her hierarchy of hardest to (laughs) worst ever, because none of them were easy. (laughs) From hardest to I might die. (laughs) (laughs) And then another piece of that was making her anxiety scale from one to seven. And they use a one to seven scale. Yeah. Yeah. Get more accurate readings. But we made that like visual for her. Okay. At one, my body's doing this at two, my body's shaking a little bit, you know, at three, my heart kind of starts beating fast, level four anxiety, my face turns red, five, I might start yelling, six, I'm on the verge of screaming, and then seven, I'm like full out screaming. So that was kind of her list of how her body reacted to anxiety. And every kid is going to be different, but that's how she was able to recognize, okay, what's going on in my body and what level of anxiety I'm at. Once we had her list of rewards and then her list of exposures, we assigned her awards points. And then every day we just started doing exposures. We started at actually (laughs) touching the car door handle which she couldn't open the car door herself with one. So we started touching it with one finger. And, you know, the first time she did that, she got up to a level seven and there was a lot of anticipatory anxiety. too. And so fighting that anticipatory anxiety. And then once she touched the car door, then we would sit with it and she'd say, okay, I'm at a seven or whatever number she was at. And then we'd watch her body slowly habituate back down to whatever she could get to. Like the goal is to get back down to a one, but sometimes when you're at a seven, it just takes so long to get back down to a one. And so we would just, you know, sit there until her body started to calm down. And so slowly we were teaching her body that it can handle the exposure and that the level of anxiety that she feels will always go down. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And then, you know, then you start with two fingers. <laughs> Once you get good at one finger, then you start with two fingers. And it's just this process over and over and over again until you are able to touch the car door with your whole hand. And that's what she did every single day, all day with each one of her exposures. So when she's doing these things, are there assignments for the parent or are you like participating? What's the, what's the parent involvement in it? Yeah, I'm participating right next to her. They trained me. They trained me how to do exposures with her. So I am an expert. <laughs> at exposure. So yeah, I, I'm sitting there with her. I've got her timer. I'm talking her through the exposure, like, okay, sweetie, what level are you at? And then she'll tell me what level she's at. And then in a few more minutes, like I point out things in her body. Okay. I see that you're shaking, you know, okay. What level is that? Okay. You're not shaking anymore. What are you at now? I'm, I'm standing there kind of like the coach walking her through the exposure until she gets to a point where she's okay. And you're bringing up a good point, or at least it's making me think of a good point that, that one, we don't have that mentality that we're sending our kids somewhere to get fixed and that we're not, we're not a part of that. You know, that with OCD and anxiety treatment, it's so, it's such a, I always call it a family affair that we have to, whether we want to or not, it's not an option. Like we have to be trained as well. And so I love that they're training you as a coach, that you're right there because at the end of the day, that's what's going to be happening anyway. And there's a lot of people who go into programs that are not OCD focused. And that's the problem is they're not being one. Sometimes they're not even doing ERP exposure response prevention, which that's a totally different concerning side note, but they're definitely not training the parent. You know, you kind of send your kids to these treatment programs, a lot of them that are just general treatment programs, and then they come back and there's been no training for the parent whatsoever. So I love that you're right there with her. You're being able to gauge because it's building those muscles between the two of you to make it portable and bring it back home. Yeah. They're long, exhausting days, like sitting there. Okay. Trying to figure out how to motivate your child with OCD to one of the, one of her really hard exposures was to listen to me hum, (laughs) which sounds so silly, but the first time I hummed for her and, and she had to sit there with the timer, she about clawed my face off. Like is that intense (laughs) where just finding myself trying to be patient and even hold it all together as a parent is exhausting. It's super hard, but very, very worth it. Like I said, and now, now I look back at where we were and I kind of laugh because (laughs) it seems like it was so funny, but, um, you either laugh at it or you cry at it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And you have a good attitude about it. I love that. So how did you cope during those early times where it was really tough? How did I cope? Well, I, it was kind of like Groundhog Day where you get up every day, you make the drive, you are in program, and then you drive home. But I think the biggest piece for me was that I everybody was there that I needed at Rogers. The therapist's office was right next to our room that we had there. And I could just pop over and be like, hey, can you help me with this? I'm not sure what to do about this. Can you help me with this? There there was constant support there, constant feedback and constant help. Yeah. Which I needed as a parent raising a child with OCD. And so it's not like I did it by myself. I had a lot of help from the Rogers team. And anytime I had a concern or question, they were right there. Yeah. And 
it was nice because we had like a team, like between me and my daughter, if we had an argument about what an exposure was to look like or what we needed to do, we'd be like, okay, let's go to our behavioral specialist and see what she says. (laughs) There was always that middle person who was like, and sometimes I was wrong. (laughs) And sometimes my daughter was wrong about what the exposure was supposed to look like. So it was really nice to just have a neutral party there to kind of be like, no, it needs to look like this or yeah, you're doing it right. Yeah. And, and hearing it from someone who's not mom is so, so key because then it kind of sets you up for success when you go back home and you're trying to do these things because it's not you. I mean, even with my kids, they'll be like, why are you doing this to me? And I don't have anyone to be like, well, this is, you know, it's been assigned to you. you yeah. Know, a lot of pushback. I'm like, well, I kind of assigned it, but you know, Hey, other people pay for this. So you better appreciate it. (laughs) There's like no, no appreciation whatsoever. So I think it's great that you have someone out there who's, you know, being able to say objectively, no, this is something you have to do, or even giving her the kind of props and being like, you're right. You know, your mom's not correct. That kind of probably empowers her too. And adds to the validity of what the therapist is saying. Yeah. And there was so much encouragement and pride from the treatment team whenever she did something that was super hard for her. And she really thrived on that. They would be proud of her, say, oh my gosh, I can't believe that you've done that. And so that was, you know, it's not coming from mom. Right. I think that was really helpful too, to just have that come from another source. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely can see where that would be good. So she's been in the program for 12 weeks. Yes. Is it a 12-week program or is it just based on each person's success? Oh, well, originally they told us it was six weeks. (laughs) Okay, I guess not. (laughs) um, Of course, you know, anytime you do something like this, you really have to move at the child's pace. And so we've moved at her pace. We've let her kind of lead us and let her make her own goals and figure out where she wants to be. And it's just kind of up to her how fast or how slow she wants to move. And so she's starting to see how far that she's come That's and good. starting to get some of those rewards that you get when you just live a normal kid life. Yeah. Like, playing a game with siblings or, you know, sitting on the couch and watching TV with them. Those are the things that she's starting to do where she's like, oh, like this is, I I can't remember how good this felt, right? Where we're not having to like externally motivate her as much. And that whole piece will continue to kick in. Yeah. I feel like that's really the ultimate reward. I mean, we have to set up these carrots for these external rewards to get traction and motivation with every kid I've ever worked with. But then as the side note, they start to realize, oh my gosh, I can relax and play a board game or I can take like a five minute shower or like just these things that are like so life altering for them. That's really the reward that I think starts to stick, which is great. It's funny because her big exposure this week is to hug her sister. And I mean, she's been touching her sister the last few weeks, but hugging her sister now. And it's funny to just see my, the little sister, like feel how awkward it is too, to just be able to, <laughs> to touch her sister. Yeah. I've been able to do that for so long. And so slowly things are starting to heal. Yeah. That's amazing. And I, that's great that she can see that too. So as you 
transition down to an IOP. Can you explain what that will look like and how that will be different for her? Yeah. So IOP is 8.30 to 11.30 every day. So it's three hours. And for the IOP, she's just doing her exposures. There's no group. They have group classes. They have group therapy. They have group education. So that part of it, she no longer has to do. So it's just her exposures that she's completing every day. Now, will she be with the same team or is she going to a totally different program? Same team. Oh, that's nice. I love that. That's like one of the things I pushed for <laughs> because I love her treatment team. They've been so amazing. And I wonder if Rogers is doing like video IOP and video PHP. Yeah, they are. Okay. Cause you know, I think that's the barrier that I see with a lot of the parents that reach out to me or that I work with is location. You know, I mean, Rogers is everywhere, which is amazing, but they're not literally everywhere. And they're really one of my only favorite programs. There's a couple of them um, around the country, but Rogers is number one in my book and not everyone has access. So it's nice that I think with the pandemic and having to, I was talking to someone from Rogers the other day and they were saying, you know, they have to, you know, they're getting licensed in different places because of the pandemic, which as a side note is awesome for parents anyway, because a lot of this can be done virtually. Yeah, I think we're seeing that this can be done virtually and it's actually worked out in our favor because so many of her exposures are at home. Right. Being in the treatment facility, like we are at home living in her exposure environment. So those exposures are right there. So will she be doing IOP at home or will she be going to Rogers to do it? We'll be doing IOP at home. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah. I if they normally do that or if that's just because it's, well, it's, it's all closed right now because we're in California. So, <laughs> okay. That makes sense. I actually think it's better. I mean, I've actually enjoyed therapy more video wise with kids than them being in my office because I'm in their bedroom and I can get them to do things that normally wouldn't generalize back to their house. So there is a silver lining in that aspect. Yeah, no, it's been it's been a blessing for us in disguise to be able to do the program at home. So if you had to give anyone any final takeaways throughout your entire process, what would it be? It would be that if the OCD in your family is too much, then get some help. And I think the biggest piece for me as a mom I mean, OCD is ultimately her fight, and this is something that she needs to overcome. But as a mom, there's still so much that I can do. So one of the big pieces that we did in Rogers was we came up with a whole list of family accommodations that I didn't even realize we were doing. And slowly we took those out, you know, like kids opening the car door for her, nobody singing, getting her food, you know, even just training my five-year-old to not answer her reassurance questions. (laughs) And, you know, parenting, it was hard for me because parenting a child with OCD doesn't look kind. Yeah. And that was a big piece for me, but to learn how to parent with not feeding into the OCD, that's been so helpful. And even it shows that kids that have family accommodations that don't continue, they, they do better with treatment. So my job as a mom is to make sure that we don't accommodate the OCD. 
Yeah, I think that's a good takeaway. That's why I call it a family affair because anxiety and OCD will find ways to get you to feed it, even when you're not aware of it, because it's a very creative, desperate thing that it will do. So it's great that they tackle that. And I think a lot of times parents think this is the the last ditch effort, you know, that if things are just completely on fire, then they'll think of IOP or they'll think of a PHP. And, and I think it's actually a great option in general, you know, because a lot of kids aren't going to make that progress for lots of barriers, whether they're not engaged in therapy or the family's like over accommodating and they just don't even know how to start. There's just so many different reasons to consider a higher level of care, or at least see if you qualify for one, because it's like fast forwarding. It's like having a fast forward button and fast forwarding, I think, regular therapy or regular approaches in time. And then you make this beautiful progress and have this, these skills that you have in this short period of time is amazing. Yeah. I think the biggest thing was them teaching me, <laughs> them teaching me how to parent. <laughs> because it's so counterintuitive. Like you said, it can seem mean. I know um, when people, and sometimes my, my eight-year-old's really vocal about the things that I do with her. <laughs> it's embarrassing. Now they have Zoom video conferencing at school and I'm like, please stop. Even to her regular therapist, I'm like, just don't mention that. <laughs> you know, like if, My mom made me touch pee today or what may or may not be pee today. You know, and I can tell even her regular therapist is kind of like, that's kind of mean. Well, I wouldn't even want that. And it's like, it does, it is counterintuitive and you can second guess yourself without that support from other people and professionals who got your back and say, yes, this is evidence-based. Yes, this is very effective. Trust us. We'll make some progress if you can trust. So good point. It's been different for me to be asked a question by my child and be like, I can't tell you the answer to that. (laughs) Yeah. And a lot of parents worry, well, now they're stressed and they're not getting the support from me. And they don't realize that they were never getting the support from you. You were just talking to OCD. You weren't even talking to your child. And so separating that out. Kind of like, maybe, maybe not. (laughs) Right. I know. And people don't get that. I know like when my daughter's like, am I going to throw up? And I'm like, you might, you might not. You know, it just seems to the rest of the world, like what a cruel answer. Just tell the poor girl that she's not going to throw up. (laughs) Let me get you a bucket. You might throw up, you know? Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that story. And I would love to hear how she does. Fingers crossed for IOP. It sounds like she's progressing. So you have to keep us updated in the community. Before we go, I do want to hear, I found out as you jumped on this call that you actually do some pretty cool work too. Yeah, I actually, I am a life coach certified through the life coach school and I work with teenage girls with anxiety. So that's my business. We I coach a lot one-on-one with girls with anxiety and we work on self-confidence. So, I love that. Yeah. So my, are you doing that virtually? Yeah, I do it all virtually. My website is knowingup.com and you can see all my programs on there. I like that. And I like the name. So it's knowing like, you know, knowing yeah. up. and I'll leave links in the show notes too. So people can connect with you because I think there's so many people out there, especially teenage girls who could use that one-on-one coaching to like work through their anxiety. And I like, sometimes I think coaching is more palatable to teen girls to, to improve themselves, improve their self-esteem, especially even to someone who doesn't want to do like quote unquote therapy to get the same skills, but to get it on a very personal level. That's awesome. I'll check out your website. Thank you. I love my job. (laughs) I love the teenage girls. They're so great. Yeah. People love or hate them. (laughs) And it kind of depends depends on if they're your own. I don't know. (laughs) 
I'm just kidding. Thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. And I will definitely leave links for everyone to connect with you on a professional level so that they can tap into your services as well. Hey, thank you for having me. Well, I hope that you found that informative. I I think it's a lot of information that most people don't know. A lot of people don't have to know that stuff. And a lot of people are scared to know that stuff and they don't know where to start. So I hope that Sammy was able to kind of outline the beginning steps and demystify it so that it doesn't seem like a scary process. It can actually seem like a hopeful option if you wind up needing it. So don't forget to check out her programs by going to knowingup.com. That is knowing like K-N-O-W-I-N-G up.com. She has um, coaching programs online and they look fantastic. And she specializes in helping teenagers and helping anxious teenagers as well. She has a program for that. She also has a program just for kids who want to get college ready. And what a, like an amazing idea. So you can learn all about the different types of coaching options that she offers at knowingup.com. Definitely check her out. Check her out. And you can go on Facebook, Instagram. I think it's knowingup.com on all of those. I think that's her tag everywhere. So I hope that you are enjoying the podcast. If you are enjoying the podcast, don't forget to hit a star on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you consume your podcast. And if you have the extra moment, don't forget to leave a review. I greatly appreciate that. To show my appreciation, I always like to end my podcast reading one of them. I want to thank Drew who wrote hope. Natasha is a beacon of hope, honest and real with practical advice. She gives great strategies. When my son first started showing signs of anxiety, I had no idea where to turn. I've now listened to almost all of the podcasts, which by the way, that's actually very impressive since we're on episode 173. And there's always something that helps when a new theme pops up. Thanks for all you do. Well, thank you for consuming all my podcast episodes and taking the time to leave a review and share with other parents the the hope that you can get from just soaking up some knowledge and learning some approaches that can be effective. So I appreciate that. Don't forget that if you want to join my AT Parenting Community, that it's closing tomorrow. Just another quick reminder, go to atparentingcommunity.com. I would love to get to know you. I would love to see you in there. And I hope that you find the sparkle in everything you do. And I'll be talking to you again next Tuesday. We'll be back to Tuesdays. I promise. Take care. Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com.